Chapter Four of A Crown for Joanna by Sister Mary Jean Dorsey O.P. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Four, A Gown for a Princess. It was the feast of the conversion of Saint Paul, fourteen seventy-eight. Two years before, in the neighboring kingdom of Spain, Isabella had been crowned Queen of Castile, amid the noisy acclamations of the crowd and in sight of all the world. In white brocade and ermine she ascended her throne, and the glare of noonday was made bright by the glittering pageant of color for which that age was famous. But it was quietly and in the silence of the night that Joanna went to her espousals. Three years she had waited, not daring to take the step, and when at last she felt that it was safe to do so, she was now nearly twenty-four years old, and Juan seemed likely to live. It was done quietly with no outward pomp to call down upon her head the maledictions of her father and brother. In the quiet of midnight, after matins, the community gathered in the chapel hall to admit Joanna as one of themselves. The still and lovely things of the spirit thrive best in, silence anyway. It was with an unearthly joy that Joanna stood at last as bride before the community to which she begged admission as a novice. The faithful Honora had dressed her for her bridals, as she would have robed her in priceless fabrics for an earthly lord, had that been Joanna's choice. The long dark hair was brushed simply back and held with a veil. Her gown was white, symbolic of innocence, but in no way more elaborate than that worn by any other postulant might be. Before God one is not princess or peasant, Joanna reflected as she stood waiting to enter the chapel hall. One is not princess or peasant. One is— she drew a deep breath at the very thought of it, his spouse. Enter, bride of Christ, the chaplain's voice woke her from her reverie. The novice mistress was waiting by the door. Joanna walked beside her the long length of the chapter hall, dim now in the flickering light of candles, and prostrated herself on the floor. What do you desire? continued the chaplain. The request was ancient, Joanna knew, yet in the chaplain's voice on this solemn night, it seemed as though for all eternity it had been meant only for her. So it was with great happiness that she responded, God's mercy and yours. Arise, commanded the chaplain. She rose and knelt before the chaplain, and for a moment he could not go on. Usually one paused here to ask the candidate if she realized what her renunciation meant, if she really wished to go on with it. But there was no need to ask the radiant postulant before him now whether she understood she knew only too well, and better than he himself, what she was renouncing. He read the prescribed prayers, the novice mistress removed the girl's veil, and he cut swiftly through the dark locks. Heads might come off for this night's doing, he reflected uneasily. Joanna listened rapidly to the prayer said as each piece of the habit was given into her hands. The white habit, may you deserve to walk, clothed in white, with Jesus Christ in his heavenly kingdom. The scapular, the special pledge of Our Lady's love to the order of friars' preachers. The censure of chastity, the veil of modesty, Our Lady's rosary, and last of all the crucifix. God forbid, my daughter, that you should glory in aught but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sister Lenora went with her to a nearby room where the princess's robes were laid aside, and she was dressed as a Dominican sister. She caressed the folds of the habit, laid a loving hand on the long rosary, she had wanted them for so long. We must hurry, sister, the novice mistress looked in anxiously from the door. 
isn't it beautiful joanna whispered her eyes shining it ought to be beautiful designed by the queen of heaven said lenora hold still so i can pin your veil there now she finished you're all ready here is the candle you carry in your left hand and here is the crucifix for the other as she watched her friend return to the chapel hall robed as a religious sister lenora's eyes were filled with tears they were happy tears but there was pity too not many knew as she did what this decision would cost joanna henceforth in religion your name shall be sister joanna of the crown of thorns the new novice turned from the chaplain and took her place in the community her face was radiant her heart too full for song the community began the te deum and her heart followed the words of triumph sorrow and bitterness and angry words she would meet on the morrow but to-night there was only joy was she not at long last the bride of christ sister joanna did not go to her bed on returning to her cell she was much too excited to sleep she stood by the open casement heedless of the cold winds from the ocean her eyes reflecting the stars that shone brightly through the lattice window a bride of christ after how long at least eighteen years since the very dawn of reason when she had vowed herself to god alone and for at least eight of those years she had prayed and worked and begged for the privilege of wearing the habit which now was hers it was fragrant with the sanctity of thousands of wearers that habit courageous men and women of a dozen nations had bled and died for the standard of truth it represented it seemed almost too good to be true that at last she joanna could wear it too she well knew that as soon as the peacefully sleeping city of avero heard that she was wearing the religious habit there would be trouble from the court but as the stars were paling for the dawn sister joanna smiled a tired smile and went to her bed for a few minutes of rest a battle there definitely was ahead of her but she was not alone by her side she felt the sisterly courage of st catherine of siena who had been so strong in the face of great trials of st margaret of hungary her own distant relative and like herself the daughter of a king of blessed diana de andalo and of the many other brave women who had worn worthily the habit she loved joanna prayed humbly and fervently for help from these for help to be a good religious to wear well that lovely habit and this most of all to do god's will the roads were very bad in february but rumour needed no roads in a remarkably short time a frightened messenger brought word to the convent that prince juan was approaching avero his face like a thunder-cloud his horse lashed to foam the sisters were terrified and joanna who knew the violence of her brother's temper was equally afraid of what he might do before she could arrive at any plan of action the cloister door was thrown open with an unseemly bang and juan was striding noisily down the corridor towards her because he was very angry and also because the religious habit and a recent illness had changed joanna's appearance he did not at first recognize his sister when he did he stared at her unbelievingly you are to come home with me he said shortly we will have no more of this nonsense you are a spectacle to the whole kingdom please be so kind as to come to the parlor juan she said with a calmness she did not feel we do not speak here in the cloister i speak where i please he shouted i am the son of the king of portugal this house belongs to the king of heaven she said quietly juan could hardly speak for rage and the frightened nuns looking on from the end of the corridor were too terrified to help joanna even as she had called on them he was after all the crown prince of portugal and the son of their ruler 
they wrung their hands and prayed as his angry shouts echoed down the arches beneath which there never before had been heard more than the click of a rosary or the patter of quiet feet you are a fool he shouted shaking his fist in joanna's face thinking you will hide here and enjoy peace at the cost of all peace you he paused to wither her with a glance and was still more annoyed to see that joanna did not cringe only listened politely you the princess of portugal born for the throne you who should be a light to your people not hiding under a bushel in this ridiculous place joanna's eyes flickered with momentary amusement i am pleased to see that you have been reading scripture juan she said did you happen to come across the passage seek the things that are above where christ is seated at the right hand of god mind the things that are above not the things that are on earth juan glared at her in helpless fury you are making fools of us all he exclaimed you standing there in that foolish garb take it off at once joanna looked down at her much-loved habit the garment she had wanted more than all the fine fabrics of earth i can never make you understand juan how much i love it she said portugal protests he said i protest you have a duty to the kingdom your life belongs to portugal not to you my life belongs to neither she said it belongs to god and portugal which i love as much as you do is more in need of prayers than of a princess right now i shall serve my country here while i also serve my god juan's writing boots clicked loudly on the flagstones as he tramped back and forth angrily formulating speeches joanna stood quietly watching him her heart was pounding wildly in spite of her calm exterior and beneath her scapular her hand was clasped tightly around her crucifix but a princess was trained not to show her feelings and no outward sign betrayed her agitation nor the anguished prayers that were pouring from her heart the prince ceased his pacing and his long sleeve swung sharply as he stood directly in front of her take it off he demanded joanna's eyes glinted in royal pride you are not my sovereign he knew it was true but she knew and he knew that she knew that he could if he would force her to obey i'll give you one more chance he threatened if you do not take it off i will tear it from you eyes and wills locked in combat joanna's was the stronger character but physical strength favored him you will never be blessed for touching with violence anything consecrated to god she said and you expect to be blessed in disobeying the king he said and his eyes watched her narrowly you are not the king she pointed out and i obey the king of kings with a sudden rush of anger he clutched the long white veil and pulled it from her head joanna after the first involuntary gasp of horror stood still and looked him straight in the eye saying nothing his hands released their hold on the habit and with an exclamation that was like the snarl of a beaten animal he turned and strode out of the convent joanna had conquered but she knew it was not for long as she knelt trembling in the chapel thanking god that her brother had left without doing more harm she was troubled to think of the worry she had brought upon the community some of the sisters were frankly terrified as it was a serious thing to fall under the disfavor of royalty she prayed fervently that peace might descend on the house and then going out she sought sister lenora she too was still trembling from the recent interview but she smiled at her friend mother prioress thinks you would like a walk in the garden she said and i am to keep you company mother prioress is very kind said sister joanna i would be very glad to go they walked through the cloister where juan had so recently wakened the startled echoes and went out into the grape arbor 
It was bare now, but worn by a little pale sunlight. Joanna, who loved the garden, had often found their comfort and strength. Had not the dear Christ fled to a garden when his great sorrow was upon him? "'I should be pleased if you told me the story of Blessed Diana de Andalo,' she said. "'I need to remember her courage.' Sister Lenora was not surprised, for she knew that to her friend the saints were as real as the living people around her. "'Diana was a brave girl,' she said by way of beginning. "'If our arbor were in leaf, we could forget this Portugal in winter, and pretend we were in Bologna in spring.' Sister Joanna leaned her head against the lattice, and closed her eyes, and listened as her friend went on with the familiar story. Diana's father was a wealthy and influential man of Bologna, and Diana was very beautiful, his greatest joy. She was fabulously gowned, she wore jewels that all Italy could envy, and she was, for all her goodness, rather vain of her beauty. One day to Bologna came the friars' preachers. They wanted a church, the church of St. Nicholas of the Vineyards, but Diana's father held the property, and would not release it. Diana went to hear the friars preach, as everyone went to hear them preach, and when she came home she put away her silks and her jewels, and wept for her vanity. After that she went often, in sober garments, to hear the preachers, and learning of their desire for the church, she added her arguments to theirs. Either the arguments or her smile melted the heart of her father, and he gave them the church, Sister Lenora paused and looked at her friend. She had not moved, but her face was radiant. The church was not enough, she continued, for they were master thieves, those preachers. They took not only the church from the old count, but his daughter as well. For Diana had watched them daily from her window as the convent of the preachers was in building nearby. She told them she would never rest until there was also a convent for Dominican nuns in Bologna, where she could herself serve God. But that would be a long time yet and Diana could not wait. She wanted so very much to dedicate herself to God. So one day she threw herself at the feet of the friars, and begged to be given the habit. They cut off her beautiful hair, and laid aside her jewels, and robed her in the black and white habit, and Diana thought she was already in heaven. Sister Joanna smiled, as though she thoroughly understood. And Sister Lenora continued. But Diana had a brother who was short of temper, and most unreasonable. He came riding in full armor to the convent where his sister was staying until the Dominican convent should be built, and he told her to come home. Diana refused, and he carried her out bodily, injuring her seriously in the struggle, but he did not break her resolution, and she did die a Dominican. And she did not give up, said Joanna quietly. She was not afraid to suffer for what she knew was the will of God. No, said Sister Lenora, looking with love and admiration at her friend, she was not afraid to suffer. End of chapter 4 Recording by Maria Therese